Hello Life Changes Church, welcome to our YouTube channel. We have got an amazing word prepared for you, so why don't you take out your notebook and your pen as we get ready to listen to what God has for us. We are in our Unashamed series and we're speaking about the gospel and the good news about sex. But tonight we're going to be speaking about the LGBTQIA plus and the gospel. And it is a big topic, but it's a topic that is so relevant in our society. It's a topic where there are so many voices competing for space. And you may not know this, but the month of June is Pride Month. And it's by no coincidence that we're preaching into sexuality and we're preaching the gospel into the area of sex. And there's Pride Month. But Pride is all about an entire month dedicated to the uplifting of LGBTQ voices, a celebration of their culture, and the support of LGBTQ rights. See, we live in a world that is not ashamed of sex, of sexuality, and gender. But so, much, so often as the church, we are ashamed to speak about these topics. We are afraid to speak into these things, but this is in our culture. A study done in 2022 of 10,000 people in America found that 19.77% of Gen Zs identify as LGBTQ. That's people born between 1997 and 2004. 11.2% of millennials identify as LGBTQ. That's people born between 1981 to 1996. This is in contrast to Generation X, which is 3.3%, and Baby Boomers, who is 2.7%. This is a relevant topic in today's society. People are speaking about it. Children at schools are learning about it. And there are so many competing voices for space in our lives. But what we need to be unashamed of is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this isn't just preaching a political gender or the perspectives of a pastor. This is preaching the gospel. And in February 2023, this year, the Church of England actually said that it's okay to bless homosexual marriage. And so we can see that this is such a relevant topic. In April, there was the Bud Light campaign with, who um, partnered with the transgender TikToker Dylan Mulvaney and caused a social media stir. In 2022, uh, the campaign video for Ford's Very Gay Raptor redefines tough for a new generation. This is everywhere. The world is unashamed about this. And we need to be unashamed too. But what are we unashamed of? Firstly, we're unashamed that we serve a great and glorious king, and his name is Jesus Christ. We unashamed that we can call him Lord, and that he's not just Lord of parts of our life, but he's Lord of all, the brokenness and the holy. He is Lord of all. And then we are unashamed of the gospel, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, for your sins, so that he can bring you towards the Father in redemption, in healing, and in freedom. Why? Because that was his plan from the beginning. And so tonight, I want to speak to those who maybe struggle with areas of same-sex attraction. Or maybe you, there's a disconnect between how you're feeling and what your biological sex dictates you are. Or maybe there's others in this room who have colleagues or family members who are struggling with this issue. I want to say that Jesus' grace and his love and his goodness is on offer for you tonight. But I also want to preach to those in my own heart who maybe carry this as a prejudice, where your amens are actually affirming some offense in your heart, or because you are uncomfortable with this topic, or you're uncomfortable with the area of homosexuality. But first and foremost, we need to identify that this is about people, 
encountering Jesus' grace. Each and every one of us, that we were far from God in our sin, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ, we have been brought near to the Father. And that is what we are preaching tonight, that we are unashamed of the gospel first and foremost, that we are his children and that he has a plan and purpose for our lives. And so if you determine to find any theology that is contrary to this, I promise you, you can go on the internet and you will find it. You will find theology that affirms what you believe. But we need to ask these questions. How do we love people who are attracted to someone of the same sex? How do we love people who experience their gender in a different way than their biological sex? How do we love people who have undergone processes or procedures to change their biological sex? Because this is everywhere in our culture. But we need to be unashamed of the gospel. That means conviction of the word and confidence in the gospel. Conviction that the word is truth and brings life and brings freedom and healing, but confident in the gospel that Jesus Christ is the one who redeems, that is not the words of a preacher or the eloquence of anything else, but it's only Jesus Christ who can restore a broken heart, a broken identity, and bring healing and freedom in the instant. So, but how did we get you? How did we get you in a world that, which is so crazy in terms of sexuality, where there are so many questions, so many different beliefs? Well, Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we find in Genesis 2, God created Adam and Eve. He created them male and female. But then in Genesis 3, this is kind of when everything goes to pot. This is where the fall of mankind is. Their sin enters the world. And so there's the serpent who starts speaking to Eve and asks her a bunch of questions. And she probably should have known that something was wrong at this point when a snake started asking her a whole bunch of questions about her life. I don't know. If a snake started talking to me, I am not trusting that thing. But the snake starts speaking to her and says these things like, but did God really say? Because what God, the command that God had given her is that do not eat of the tree of, good, of uh, knowledge of good and evil. And that is forbidden. But then the snake comes, but did God really say? And at that moment, uh, Eve convinces Adam to eat of this fruit, and then sin enters the story. And the result is that sin entered the world, and all who followed them would have the same story, that we would have a heart bent to not believing God. That's the result of the fall of mankind, that we would have a heart bent to not believing in God's promises and his truth and his goodness. And so the result is that we live in a broken world with broken people and broken identities. But the hope is that we serve a great and glorious God who is Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be reading from Romans 1, and you can turn there in your Bibles, Romans 1 from verse 16. But we're going to be dealing with a chunky bit of passage. But I want to say, will you open your heart? Will you open your hearts to the gospel? Will you open your hearts to Jesus' grace? But let's read together. It will be on the screen behind me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. What are we unashamed of? The gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. 
since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever to be praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do not what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. This sounds familiar. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. I know that I am on that list of pe people that Romans spoke about, but I know that there is grace on offer tonight through Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Jesus, we come before you, and I pray, Lord, that I will speak in humility. I pray that they will see you, Jesus. They will see your grace. They will see your goodness. They will see that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us that you created us, that you know us intimately. But I pray, Lord, that we will be restored towards you, that our identities which are broken outside of your creation and your intent for us, Lord, will be restored tonight, Jesus. That years and years of longing for something, Lord, will be fulfilled in you tonight, Jesus. And so we just pray that your Holy Spirit will be here, will you speak to us, will you command us tonight, but will you get all the glory? Will you get all the glory tonight, Jesus? We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. So how do we live a restored sexuality in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And the first is that we need to know God's design. It says this in Romans 1 verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. We said it before in the series, but we need to rest on the firm foundation that there is an original design, that God created us in his image. So, but how do we respond if some people are attracted to someone of the same sex or whose experience of their gender does not fit in with their biological sex? We have to point them towards the creator. 
and his plan for our lives and his purpose for our lives and his goodness for our lives. Because the Bible says is that we were created in his image. What that means is that there is a creator. He made us, so he's in control of each and every part of our lives. And we aren't just some random act of creation. We are purposefully and wonderfully made by our Father in heaven. It says this in Psalm verse 139. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I want you to know tonight that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Maybe you've never heard those words before from a parent or from someone else, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were created by a good and glorious God who spoke the heavens and the earth into being. And he knows you intimately and he knew you before creation and he has a plan and purpose for your life. You are not here just going through life as normal and being the king of your life. You have a king in heaven and his name is Jesus Christ. And he knows you and he wants your life and he wants to be known by you and to know you. See, the result of sin and the result of the fall is that there is a disconnect between the creator and his creation. If we are wondering, how did we get here? How is everything so crazy? It's because of that. Simply put, mankind lives in a runaway world. Some of us like to suggest that God is hiding, but it's us who have been hiding since the beginning of creation because of the shame we felt because of our sin. And shame will take us further and further away from our creator. But God wants to bring you close through Jesus Christ by restoring you to him. And he's saying, just come to me. I am your creator. I formed you. I knew you in your mother's womb. See, we cannot be hidden from God. He is our creator and he is our father. He designed you and he designed your sexuality. He is the God who is intimately involved in every part of your life. And he wants that space in your life. He is the sovereign God who is in control of everything. And he is the personal God who is in each and every detail of your life. That is the God who created you. That is the God who we serve. That is the God who wants to know you this evening. See, the world will tell you, deny the givenness of male and female. Make a giant spectrum of sexuality and prioritize your feelings over your bodies. But Jesus presents a different way. Affirm emphatically that God made us male and female, that he is our creator, that creation is good, and that biological sex is good. See, that is what Jesus is presenting to us. And so God made us male and female. It's his intentional design in our lives. In Genesis 2 verse 8, it says this, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. See, marriage and procreation are part of God's original design. It's not my words, it's the Bible. And if it's part of his original design, it means that he had an original intent for it. But this is not to demonize singleness, or to demonize a celibate lifestyle. But this is to show you that you were created by God and that he has a plan and a purpose and a mission for your lives. That you are part of the mission of God, part of the kingdom of God. And that he is intimately involved in all creation from the beginning 
to the end and he's intimately involved in your life tonight as well. But because of sin, all of us live with some disconnect between what is objectively true about us and what we feel to be true. See, God says you may feel this way, but this is who you are. You may feel this way, but this is who you are. Why? Because he is your creator. And if he is your creator, he determines who you are. See, same-sex desires and feeling a disconnect between your body and your minds is not a sin. Homosexuality and pursuing those feelings over how God created us is the sin. See, when we pursue something that is contrary to God's word and his will for our lives, that's when we are living in sin. But he's saying, no, come close. You are my creation. I created you. I breathed you into existence. And I have a good and pleasing and perfect will for your life. And if you live in my will and under my word, you will see life and life in abundance. Why? Because the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. But I bring life and life in abundance. That is how God created us. And so it is not your feelings that define your identity or your essence, but it is the living work of Jesus Christ in your life. It's not your feelings or, your, or your, anything else that defines your identity. See, living a life based on our own desires and our own feelings in a way that is sexually immoral, and that means outside of God's original design between a man and a woman in marriage is sin. That is what the word says. His original design is that anything outside of marriage that is sexual in nature is immoral and it's sin. But all sin is love sin. And if you don't love sin, then I don't know what sin you are doing because sin is good. Sin is pleasurable. From the beginning, man loved to sin. It was pleasurable to us. We thought it would be good for us. We thought that we would be in control when we sinned. But the reality is that sin takes us further and further away from God's plan for our life. And it says this in verse 24. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever to be praised. See, because we live in a sinful world full of brokenness, and we are conditioned to not believing in God's word. We exchange our faith for desires. We exchange truth for feelings. We exchange design for desires. It's because of the fall. But the evidence is all around us. That actually when God says that, uh, that women and men exchange natural relations for unnatural ones, it's the same language as God created them male and female. It's the same word in the Greek. And what he's saying is anatomy, physiology, biology, all of them, even without theology, testify to God's perfect plan. And the violation of that leads to chaos and despair. But that doesn't mean that there's not hope. There is hope tonight for each and every one of us. I am the same. When I am living outside of the promises and will of God, I'm living in sin. But we need to choose to live to glorify God with our sexuality. That means that abstaining from acting on your same-sex desires, then glorify God. If it means choosing to find your identity in Him rather than your feelings, then glorify God. If it means not having sex outside of marriage as a dating Christian, then do that to glorify God. 
God wants every part of your life and he wants you to glorify him. Why? Because when, he glor- when we glorify him, he honors our faith. And he is your father and he wants to know you. See, maybe you feel ashamed to draw near to him. Or you know that you have friends or colleagues who won't come to church because they are afraid of being condemned and judged. I want to tell you that you are created by God. And that he is your savior and he is the perfecter of your faith. And you can draw near to him. And he wants to restore the brokenness caused by sin tonight. He wants to know you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He has a plan and purpose for your life. And so we need to know our designer, the creator. But we also need to know our identity. In Genesis 1 verse 26 to 27 says this, Let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So when the Bible says that you and I are created in the image of God, what the Bible is saying is that it is declaring that there is a king over our lives. And we don't serve a king who is dead in the ground, surrounded by dirt. We serve a king who is seated on his throne in control of everything, and there's eternity in him. And so we need to know that we are made in the image of God. And that is proclaiming that all life is from God and to God, and it's a different way of living. You are not your own. You are made in the image of God. That means that throughout each and every aspect of our lives, we are supposed to be image bearers. We are supposed to show the world how good and how great God is. That if we hadn't lived, that we would be, the world be, will be worse off. Why? Because we hadn't magnified the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ in our lives. That is what it means to be an image bearer. See, we are sexual beings, but we are not just sexual beings. Your identity does not rest in your sexuality. Your identity rests in the hands of the Father who made you. See, you are not just gay. You are not lesbian or transgender. You are first and foremost his child, his son, his daughter. Why? Because he created you. And your identity is in him, not in the world or your feelings or your desires or anything that the world will offer you. Your identity is in him. But you may say, I don't feel this way. I don't feel that I'm created by him. I don't feel like I know him. I don't feel like he loves me. But something can be true of us objectively, even if we don't feel it isn't. And we need to keep hearing God say to us, this is who you are. The beauty of the gospel is that the word and the work of Christ defines us, not our feelings or experiences. And we long for the day when the contradiction of our feelings versus what God says about who we are will disappear entirely in eternity. God is coming to remove that disconnect between ourselves and the Creator. And He's saying, yes, I know there's feelings and I know there's temptations and I know you have desires, but come to me, let it come under my word and I will show you how good and glorious my way of life is. That he doesn't just want you to be okay. He doesn't just want you to be happy or be the ruler of your life. No, he has a best plan for your life. He has a good plan for your life. But there's this assumption in today's society that if there is a disconnect between the mind and the body, we should allow the body to fit the mind rather than the mind fit the body. I'm going to say that again. There's an assumption in today's society that if there's a disconnect between the mind and the body, 
between how I'm feeling and my body, we should allow the body to fit the mind rather than the mind fit the body. This is because of medical advancement and we see people going through procedures and processes to try and fit how they're feeling to the body that they were created. But this is absurdity even in science because if someone's struggling with anorexia, we don't say, well, your mind's sick, so we need to change the body. No, we need to heal the mind. And Jesus is just the same. He's saying Jesus transforms us through the renewal of our mind. We need to bring our thoughts and our feelings and our desires to Jesus Christ, and he will give us rest for our souls. He will redeem us, and he will give you hope. And so he is not calling you to be heterosexual or identifying as our biological sex in the sense that we will have no temptations. But he is calling us to be holy in the sense that whatever temptations we will have, we will have the power through him to flee. There will be temptations. There will be temptations of lust, of a thousand things. But through Jesus Christ, we have the power to flee and to choose something else, which is to glorify God. And to run to the creator because he is your father. He is a good father. And he loves his children. And he has a plan for his children. And he knows what is best for his children. Why? Because he created you and he created the heavens and the earth. And he knows eternity. That's the father we have. And I'm coming to you in grace and saying, run to the father tonight. Whatever your feelings are. If you have family members who are struggling with their identity and broken and needing fulfillment in their lives, show them the Father through Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that will bring healing and restoration. See, this is so important for us to understand because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then being an image bearer, being made in the image of God, is not a choice. It's weaved into every fiber of your being. It's not something that we choose to do when we wake up on Monday morning. No, being an image bearer of Jesus Christ is something you are because he created you. And so we need to know that having a broken connection with the creator who made us purposefully for himself forms in us a struggle to know who we are because if we don't know the creator, then we're not going to know how we are created. And so he's wanting to restore that brokenness. And he's wanting to restore that disconnect. And he does that through the person of Jesus Christ. And so there's a reality that living from a, a place of broken identity and outside of the plans and purposes of God will always land in sin and will always land in brokenness. But it says this in 1 Corinthians verse 6, uh, 6 verse 9. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. See, the context is that Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church were experts in sinning. There was rampant sexuality throughout the Corinthian church. They would have put Love Island to shame. They knew what they were doing, this Corinthian church. But Paul is speaking to them and saying, actually, there's a better way. 
and you were among them, but actually you have been justified and washed through the blood of Jesus Christ. You are no longer like that. There is a greater plan. There is a better purpose for your life, and it's through Jesus Christ. But idolatry occurs within the church when people believe that they can serve God and experience his salvation and blessings, but at the same time participate in the immoral and wicked practices of the world. We can't do both. You can't be two types of creation. You have one creator, you have one designer, and you have one savior, and that's God. We can't do both. And if we simply choose to believe parts of the Bible we like, then we're not believing the Bible at all. We're believing in ourselves. And it's tough because I think this is each and every one of us that outside of the hands of God, we are in sin. But the same scriptures which condemn sin also give us hope. The same scriptures which condemn your sin give you hope. Why? Because it's saying you have been washed through Jesus Christ. And we need to realize that no opinion is authoritative except for God's. He is the author. He is the creator. He is the perfecter of our faith. And so the world is saying, I will decide who I am, what I am, what I am doing, and who I am doing it with. But God says, no, I decide who you are. God is the one who determines our identity, Life Changes Church. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. And he's saying he, he takes sinners and he makes them righteous. You were dead in sin, but I have made you alive in Christ Jesus. And it's on offer for each and every one of us. I was dead in my sin. I was broken. I was depressed. I was despairing. I had no identity. But then I found Jesus Christ and I got freedom. I got healing. I got hope. I got restoration. And that is on offer for each and every one of us. And it's on offer for a world that is in desperate need of it. A world that needs Jesus Christ. Not a political agenda about sexuality. Not a TED talk, but needs Jesus Christ. And we need to be God's image bearers and tell people about the surpassing worth of Jesus. That whatever we do, when we bring our sexuality under the gospel, we are declaring the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. That is what he wants for our lives. And so we need to know God as the designer and the creator. We need to know our identity in him. But we also need to know Jesus as our savior. Because it is only Jesus who saves. See, the same scripture which condemns our sin also gives us hope. And Christians are people who God has chosen and given a new heart and who are able to say no to sin, not because of their power, but because of the power of Jesus Christ living inside of us. He has chosen you. If you are here tonight, this is not by coincidence. He has chosen you. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And he has given you the power of Jesus Christ inside of your life. See, God wants us to see our sin for what it is. It is the result of the fall man. It leads us to death. It is wicked and it does not glorify him. But he also wants us to see our sin in light of the Savior. If we are just seeing the result of our sin, there is going to be condemnation, there's going to be guilt, and there's going to be shame. And that's not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will convict you of your sin, but he will show you the worth of the cross in your life. If you are here tonight and you are feeling heavy and you are feeling shame, know that we need to be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
that we should carry no sin and no shame and no guilt to him. Why was he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and heavy laden and I will give you rest for your souls. For your souls, for your innermost being. Because I know your innermost being because I formed your innermost being. And you can come to me and you can run to me and I will give you hope and I will give you freedom for it is for freedom's sake that Christ set you free. And so he wants you to know Jesus as a savior. Jesus was delivered up to the cross so men and women might be delivered from sin and born again to life everlasting. In him, broken lives are made new. I hope you know that, that if you know Jesus Christ, you are a walking miracle. Why? Because you were dead in sin, but now you are alive in Christ. Do you know that you are a living miracle? I hope that you see that. I hope that when you wake up tomorrow morning, that you declare of your life that I am a living miracle. Why? Because I am alive in Jesus Christ. And so if you are struggling with same-sex attraction or you're struggling with sexual desires that are leading you to a path that's not of his will and his way and his word, come to Jesus Christ and know that he can bring dead things to life. See, the standpoint of the Christ believer should be this. We cannot condemn those with these attractions, but we cannot affirm you either. And the reason why we won't condemn you is the same reason we can't affirm you. Because of God's word, because of his love, because of his grace, because of his goodness. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. To everyone. It is on offer to each and every one of us. It is the power of the gospel. And I will not be ashamed. I will boldly declare that God is good. I will boldly declare that he is my creator. I will boldly declare that in him my identity rests. I will boldly declare that he is my savior. Why? Because I have seen it at work. And so the hope for the greedy, for the immoral, for all of us is the same hope. And the answer is the same answer, the cross of Jesus Christ. He was given up on our behalf so that we might enjoy all the beauty and all the goodness found in him. It's the same hope. It's the same answer for each and every one of us. Whether you have walked with him for many years or you are just coming to know him, it's the same hope and the same answer. Whether you have run away from him and maybe you in brokenness and sin right now, it's the same answer and the same hope and it's Jesus Christ. As a pastor, I cannot declare anything else. I cannot try and sell you anything else but I can tell you about the goodness of Jesus. And I know my heart breaks for people whose identities are broken, who are experiencing guilt and shame, who are heavy, and who don't want to come to church because they believe they're going to be condemned or shot down or judged, that people will view them differently if they, if they only knew their sin and they only knew how broken they were. But that's a lie that the enemy sells us because he wants to keep you isolated. He wants to keep you hidden. He wants to keep you in shame. But God says, says you were never hidden. I was always there. My presence was always with you. My goodness was always before you because I created you. I know you. I have a future for you. 
He's just saying, my son, my daughter, come close to me. Will you know me and be known by me? And so this is what we mean when we say the gospel is for everyone. It's a gospel for the atheists and the agnostics, for the Jews and the Gentiles, for Hindus and Muslims, for the lost and the lonely, for the happy and the successful, for the homosexual or transgender person, for those who experience gender dysphoria and those who don't, ultimately for anyone who humbly casts aside any other identity and loses his or her life for Christ's sake. It is a big gospel for a big world. It's for each and every one of us. And so we don't carry the flag of pride, nor do we carry the flag of our prejudice, but we carry the cross of Christ. That we take up our cross daily and we run towards the Father. For Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Can I ask us to stand? Just with all eyes closed in this room tonight. The world will preach tolerance. That intolerance is the greatest sin. The world will preach tolerance, but the Bible preaches repentance. And that what, what that means is turning away from your old way of living. Asking forgiveness for your sins. And running towards Jesus Christ in a new way of life. And I believe maybe there's some people in this room who need to repent of their prejudice. That need to repent of bigotry. Or carrying offense in your heart. Maybe out of abuse. Maybe out of a culture. Maybe because you were taught that way from a family. But we need to stand in truth and we need to stand in grace. Just as we hold on to the truth of the gospel, we need to hold on to the grace of Christ Jesus. And if he does not condemn us, neither can we condemn others. And so I'm praying that the grace of Jesus Christ will fill your heart right now. That he did not give us hearts of stone, but hearts of flesh. That we can respond to the gospel. But I also want to pray for those struggling with same-sex attraction. Or where your identity is based on your feelings and your desires or what the world is telling you you should be. I pray that you know tonight that you were created by a good and wonderful father. And maybe you don't have a great earthly father, but you have a perfect father in heaven who loves you, who sent his son to die on the cross for you, who pursued you even when you were in your brokenness, who knitted you in your mother's womb, who knew you before creation, who has a plan and purpose for your life, and who wants to bring redemption and healing and restoration to your soul. That your life will be forever changed and transformed. Because Jesus was this same man 
who spoke about pursuing God and that there's a high call of the gospel in our lives. But then he sat with sinners and tax collectors and the lowly and the brokenhearted to show them the goodness of the Father. And then I believe that he's speaking to some. You've been coming maybe every week. You've heard the preachers. And maybe it's not in this area, but you're still living outside of his word and his way and his will for your life. That you've allowed Jesus in, but maybe in this aspect of sexuality, you haven't made him Lord and King. You haven't chosen to let your own desires bow before him. Even though you know what is right and you know what is true. But he's asking you to trust him this evening. He wants to show you how good he is. He wants to show you that if you surrender your life to him and you abandon your desires for him, he will bring life and life in abundance. He will bring goodness to a measure that you can never know. That he has eternity in store for you. That he has a plan for you. He has a future for you. That radical futures demand radical obedience. And he is calling you right now to repent. To turn away from your old way of life. To turn away from your sin and to turn towards him. And if right now that's you. If maybe you're struggling with these desires or struggling with your identity. Or you need to repent and turn towards him. Right now, with all eyes closed, will you just lift your hand up to him? Jesus sees you. Just with all eyes closed. Don't let any fear of man stop you from this moment. Jesus, thank you that you know us. Thank you that you formed us. Thank you that you are our Savior, that you are our Lord, that you are our King. Lord, thank you that your word says that you transform us, that we are made new, completely different, that the old has gone and the new has come. And so I pray, Lord, that when people wake up tomorrow morning, that there will just be a complete change, a complete change of how we were living, a complete change of our hope, a complete change of our freedom, a complete change of our identities that we will know how good you are just pour out your spirit right now Lord speak to your people show them the father show them who they are in you show them that you shout over them mine 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 my daughter my son I created you where their earthly fathers and mothers have failed. Show them how good you are. Mine. You are my daughter. You are my son. I love you. We surrender ourselves to you, Jesus. We hold on to truth and we walk in your grace. We hold on to truth and we walk in your grace conviction of the gospel and 
courageous love. That's what he's calling us to. So we thank you, Jesus. Will you get all the glory? Will you get all the honor and all the praise? Amen. What an amazing, amazing word. If you would like to find out about what's happening in the life of the church, why don't you follow us on our social media, Instagram or Facebook, or you can go into our website, lifechanges.org.za. Thank you so much for watching that video. Be blessed.